I want you to turn in your Bibles quickly to Psalms 33:12. Psalms 33:12, and I'm going to. Um, I know we're running a little late, but I know how to cut and paste on the fly. <laughs> but if I go a little over today, then don't 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 hurt my feelings. The Bible tells us in Psalm 33, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Samuel Smith wrote, My country, tis of thee, sweet land of liberty, of thee I sing. In a later stanza in that same song, he wrote, God, who is the author of, of liberty. In 1884, France gave us the Statue of Liberty, about 300 feet tall, standing there in the harbor of New York. Sometimes it is called Lady Liberty. Indeed, when we think of liberty, when we think of freedom, it reminds us of patriotism, It reminds us of our freedom as a people to worship God as we choose. The Bible makes it clear about freedom and liberty. Freedom is rooted in Christian theology. God said to Jeremiah, proclaim liberty to the people of Jerusalem. And you remember what our Lord said in John 8. He said, if the Son shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. And then Paul in Galatians said, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. And so I believe that there is a relationship between what we enjoy as Christian citizens and what we believe in terms of Christian theology. And I think on this day it would do us well to remember that as America we have a legacy of freedom. I wonder how many on Tuesday will remember that what the price that was paid for the liberty that we enjoy. The Declaration of Independence was adopted by the Second Continental Congress on July the 4th, 1776. If you were to go out and ask a hundred people when the Declaration of Independence was signed, less than half would even come close to knowing. John Adams, our second president and also one of the authors of the Declaration of Independence along with Thomas Jefferson and Ben Franklin, this is what John Adams said. I am well aware of the toil and blood and treasure it will cost to maintain this declaration. Of the 56 men who signed from the 13 original colonies, A number of them were tried and put in jail. Others of them were 
uh, chased from their families and they had to forsake their families. In other words, it cost something for those men to sign the Declaration of Independence. We must understand that freedom that we enjoy, freedom that we take for granted, freedom that we never think of as having to do without, it is never free. Because from Flanders Field of World War I to the beaches of Normandy and World War II, Vietnam, the Korean War, Iraq, Afghanistan, freedom costs. And today, the Ukrainians are sacrificing their blood and treasure because they want to be free in Ukraine. The freedom of liberty is a part of our DNA in America. Patrick Henry, who, by the way, used to travel through Franklin County down in the Sontag section. And in 1775, he attended the Virginia Provincial Convention, and he stood in that convention and he said, with the next gale of wind that sweeps from the north, will bring to our ears the clash of resounding arms. Our brothers are already in the field. What is it that gentlemen wish? What would they have? Is life so dear or peace so sweet to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery? And then he went on to say, Forbid it, almighty God. I do not know what course others may take, but as for me, Give me liberty or give me death. Our nation must understand that with all of our faults, the freedom to come to a church today, the freedom to choose not to come to church, the freedom to move about and to go from one state to another, this freedom was purchased with the precious blood of those who have served. We must understand, if I were to be able to sum up what I would want for you to remember today, it would be to understand historically that this nation is rooted in the Judeo-Christian ethic. Now, today we have secular humanism, which is a religion itself, and maybe if I have time I will define what I believe that means but you see, we have people in places of government today who really believe that this nation is a better nation if it's a secular nation, a nation without God. I say to you that happy is the nation whose God is the Lord. And I recognize that we do not stand in the same proximity as Israel did with their God. But I believe that as Kate Smith sang 40 or 50 years ago, God has blessed America. And I believe it is because at the heart of America, there is a goodness to share with others. Even today, you and I are involved in the struggle in Ukraine. 
There is equipment and probably maybe even, I don't know, advice as to how to prosecute the onslaught of communism from Russia. The first document of our forefathers was signed in 1620. It was called the Mayflower Compact. Now, I want you to listen carefully. I want you to understand that I am quoting from that Mayflower Compact. Now, the Mayflower Compact was a document that was the first formalized document that helped us form the basis of America. Nobody really knows a whole lot about the Mayflower Compact today. I'm not sure that it's taught in the history courses, but I'm quoting now. These are those pilgrims that landed in Massachusetts, and they said, In the name of God, having undertaken for the glory of God the advancement of Christian faith, rooted in the very documents of our founding fathers, was a concern that there would be a land that was rooted in Christian faith. Now, the secular humanists want us to revisit that and etch that out of what we believe is important of the 13 original colonies. And I spent hours over the years, history is kind of a, a favorite of mine, but as you know, we... Uh, we had 13 original colonies. Virginia was one, and just for your knowledge, Georgia was one, 1733. James Edward Oglethorpe landed and made Savannah. And I started to say it was the garden spot of the universe, but it isn't. There's a lot of mosquitoes in Savannah. But <laughs> my point is, I want to quote from a couple of the original state charters. You say, preacher, we want you to preach, not to give us a history lesson, but I'll get to that. In Rhode Island in 1683, in Rhode Island in 1683, this is a part, and I quote, of the original charter of Rhode Island. We submit ourselves, our lives, our estate to the Lord Jesus Christ the king of kings, and those laws given by his name. I'm trying to present to you the fact that in the beginning, this great nation was predicated on the Judeo-Christian ethic. In Maryland, very secular now, but in the original charter of America, of Maryland, and I quote, was formed by a zeal to extend the Christian gospel. What I'm trying to lay before you today is that when the humanists want our country to be secular and they want to dismiss God, I say to you, they do not understand that in the beginning this nation was foundation upon the Christian principles of Scripture. Now, we have departed from that, but that does not change history. John Adams, as I said, the second president, his father was a deacon. 
He was married to Abigail Adams. She may have been the first woman feminist. Abigail Adams, uh, back then, women were not permitted to own property, but she managed property. She carried on an extensive uh, letter writing with Thomas Jefferson. They exchanged ideas. She was a, a woman of eminent intellect. But here, John Adams, who said... This is John Adams, now one of our presidents. I resolve, and by the way, when he went to church, I, I read his biography uh, uh, years ago, and he went to church, he would take notes on the sermon from the pastor. And, and he was a fanatic, he went to church twice on Sunday. And this is what he said, and I quote, I resolved to arise with the sun to study the scriptures. Now, this is from his diary. I resolved to rise from, with the sun to study the scriptures on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Here was a man who, and I have read, who had a relationship with Jesus Christ. Someone said that South America, a, a, a continent that it has a, a lot of third world country, they founded South America. They were settled by men who came seeking gold. But in North America, it was settled by men who came seeking God. There was a French philosopher whose name was Alex de Tocqueville, he was uh, born in 1805, died in 1856, and he was a philosopher, and he came to America. Now listen. He came to America to find out what it was that made America special and why in a democracy things were doing as well and why America, even in the 19th century, according to him, was a great country. And I'm going to quote. He said, I sought for the greatness of America in her harbors and in her rivers, and it was not there. I sought for her greatness in the Democratic Congress, and it was not there. Not until I went into the churches of America and heard her pulpits aflame with righteousness did I understand the secret of her genius and power of America. And then he went on to say, America is great because America is good. And if America ever ceases to be good, America will cease to be great. And so I come now to ask the question, what is the future of a nation and what ought we as Christians to do? You see, folks, we're living in a time when secular humanism, you know what secular humanism is? It is a belief system. I, I believe it is a religion. It is a religion without God. In fact, one of their tenets Secular humanism believes that you can arrive at some form of ethics and morality and what you think, but you do so without God. In fact, that part of their dogma is we do not believe in a supreme being. 
So in America today, there is the creeping malignancy of secular human thinking that puts man in the center and dismisses God. And folks, that's what we're dealing with. And I'm not talking about anything in politics. I'm talking about the things that seems to be infiltrating into some of the basic institutions of America. And you precious parents and grandparents who are responsible for your children, you need to be careful that your children are being indoctrinated with a secular humanistic philosophy. Therefore, I know we cannot go to the past and the good old days were never as good as we think they were. But I can remember a time when the Ten Commandments were in some of the courthouses. And I can remember a time when the Bible was in some of the schoolhouses. When we came here, my, my precious wife taught Bible in the public schools. You had to sign up, and it was no Baptist. It wasn't Methodist doctrine. It was just Bible stories. And 98% of her children got their parents' permission to take Bible. And I believe that it did not hurt those children to be taught the precious stories of God's love from the Bible. In fact, she's not feeling well today, but occasionally it still happens. Uh, somebody will come up to her whom she does not know, and she, they say, Miss Holland, you taught me Bible in the fourth grade, and she feels so good. And then the lady will say, and I want you to meet my grandchildren. <laughs> and that takes the wind out of her sails. But what I'm trying to say is as citizens who vote, who pay taxes, and as Christians, we must be concerned about the direction of our nation that we love. In Romans chapter 13, verse 1, it says, Everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities for thee there is no authority except that which God has established. And all of the problems that we face and the things that are happening that disturb me as a Christian, I still believe that holy God is in control. And I believe that one day God will balance it out. And one day God will receive the glory. It may be a judgment that he has to sin, but ultimately God will be glorified. We need to understand that we have a, a responsibility because as Christians, we are called in our nation as citizens to be salt and to be light and to be leavened. And these precious ladies who spoke this morning so saliently to those hungry children and adults who need to hear that there is a God who loves them. Folks, we're living in times when people are just struggling with life. Families are being torn apart. We're living in a time when we're trying to redefine even what a family is. And you who have children, I believe, you remember there used to be a song that said, Teach your children well. Let me say, 
without fear of contradiction, Christian father, Christian mother, it behooves you to teach your children well. Way back in the Old Testament in Deuteronomy chapter 6, it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord with all your heart and your soul and with all your strength. Then it says, These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your heart and impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up, God is saying to Christian parents, it is our responsibility to teach our children that there is a God to whom we will one day give an account. There is a God that loves us and sent His Son Jesus Christ to die on the cross I remember it was Edward Hale who said, oh, I'm not too bad here. That's three minutes after 12. Edward Hale said, and and by the way, he wrote a book called A Man Without a Country. He said, I am only one, but still I am one. I cannot do everything, but I can do something. And Christian, we cannot do everything, and and, our, and our, our power is limited, I understand that, but we must do what we can do. And, and as these ladies were talking about sharing the love of Christ with people who are hungry and people who do not have family support, we can't do everything, but we can do something. And for you parents, teach your children. I don't know what's going on in the school systems of Franklin County, but I I hear about Loudoun County and I hear about some of the other places where they are teaching that it is normal for to have a, a different definition of a home. Folks, I am so grateful we're through Pride Month. I'm sick of it. If you I, I believe in rights for everybody. But don't expect me to celebrate what God condemns. Amen? I mean, we who are in a Christian nation, and and, and you see, they tell us, the the news agencies, if if we are against homosexuality, that we're bigoted and, and that we hate people, that is not true. But my guide is the Word of God. I do not have a right to redefine the family. I'm going to start preaching here in a minute. So parents, you have a responsibility to teach children well. They may not always go by what you say, but you've got a responsibility, and I have a responsibility to tell them what is the, what God and, and, and we do have a great legacy, and I do believe this, this nation. Does that mean that everybody, to, am I saying that Ben Franklin and Abraham Lincoln and Thomas Jefferson and all the rest were, were evangelical Christians? No, they were not. But they understood that we had a responsibility to God. They understood that we cannot be great if somehow 
we just dismiss the idea that there is a God who created and a God who sustains. And I believe they understood that. So let me hurry to get through. We're living in a time where abortion is... I don't know what to say about it. We've, we've killed 60 million little babies. And Dr. Graham's wife said, if God does not judge America, he will have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. And so I close now with this. What can we do? We can't do everything, but we can pray. I pray regularly for the people in Ukraine. I pray for our military. I thank God for you men and women who have served. I really do. I was in the library this week, and I was talking to a lady. She looked like a librarian, and she was. And then she said, I, I, I mentioned to her that I had visited Auschwitz in Poland, and, and she said somewhere she had been, and I said, were you in the military? She said, yes, I was. I had a lady in my church. I did her funeral, the last funeral I had at Franklin Heights. She was a retired colonel out of the military. Oh, I thank God for you men and women who have served. I do. And what I'm trying to say is that we have a responsibility. We need to pray for our country. Pray for the president. Pray. I don't agree with a lot, but my job is to pray. I cannot do everything, but I can do something. Parents, you cannot do everything, but you can do something. And so today, as we celebrate this Tuesday or whenever it is, remember that this nation was foundationed upon the principles of the Judeo-Christian ethic. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for your word. We thank you for the good report for the folks that went on a mission trip. God, we pray that you would bless and multiply the fruit, the seed that was sown. Lord, I thank you for this church. This is your church. And you have a plan and a purpose for this church. God, I pray that you would bless it. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.